From Barbagallo to Bologna, Matt Price tells all, The Camaros are coming! And I just want one. It's Crompton Road for Team Coletta in the NHRA. McLaren announced their latest offering in honour of the legendary Ayrton Senna. You guys had some questions? We have the answers. And much, much more. Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talkin' Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the South, we refer to it as the Gap Band. Well, I think, you know, Formula One is for grown-ups. Welcome to episode 19, Simon. Thanks for joining us. This is the Talk and Power podcast, 19. Thanks for having me, Nick. I'm surprised that you haven't fired me yet. No oh, that's right. You, you don't pay me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about tonight's interview. It's a good one. We're going, we're, 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 we're going back to back. Back to Interviews. back. Back to back. We've got uh, Matt Price coming Matt. on the show. Those of you that don't know who Matt Price is... He has, in the space of two years, gone from racing uh, at a clubman level, clubman 600s, which are basically, you know, your R6s and bikes like that, very limited in what modifications you can do. I believe you're allowed to put a slip-on exhaust and change the brake pads or something. They're very, very limited. I'm the plastics. I wouldn't know. The glass, you know, like you're allowed to remove the lights and stuff, but they're basically... The, the idea is that you're testing the skill of the rider, mm. not so much the skill of the team. And well, we, I mean, obviously, you know, bike set up and that, but uh, it's a very competitive class. I actually, um, I was down uh, going to Wanneroo regularly uh, around the same time as Matt was racing the Clubmans mm. um, because uh, Kevin Bolton. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, with the Camaro. Um, he invited me down. He was crewing for uh, Ivan Safranik. Safranik, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, not the that Ivan oh, okay. from down the road, his cousin. Oh, okay. I think his name's Ivan. Anyway, so, um, yeah, in the space of short two years, Matt Price has gone from racing at the clubman level mm. to racing in the Italian, the Italian version of the, the uh, Supervite mm. uh, Championship. So it's basically... Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to try and pronounce this in my best Italian. Campagnato mm-hmm. Italiano Velocita, which is basically the, the Italian Speed Championship. That's correct, yep. <laughs> He's in the National Trophy, the 1,000cc division. So, Which is a superbike. It, it is, yeah. Essentially a superbike. Um, so let's give Matt a call and have a chat. Sounds good. All right, Matt. Thanks for joining us on the Talk and Power podcast. Thanks for your time here today. Uh, I'm just here with Simon Travellini. 
how are things going? Yeah, very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries, no worries. Matt, to be honest with you, I didn't know a hell of a lot about yourself, but we've been asked by a number of listeners of our podcast to, to get you on and have a chat. So that's 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 what we've gone ahead and done. And after I've done a bit of research on yourself, I found that you've really gone into uh, motorcycle racing uh, pretty full on in the last couple of years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you sort of started in 2015. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a pretty wild ride to be honest. But um, my dad always said anything worth doing, put your heart into it. So sure, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. But no, we've uh, we're going places where we want to be going. So it's, it's been a joy. Matt, Matt, let me uh, let me start by congratulating you. I mean, huge move to go from Clubland six hundreds and, and to be where you are at the moment. Um, how how did it feel when you you first got on the Italian soil there and you were um, uh, you know the initial testing and was it was it overwhelming or, or did you find it natural? Yeah, thanks. Um, no, it was it was like a dream come true. It was pinching moments when I first walked into Magello Circuit and um, there was GT cars going around uh, in between with the bikes out, just um, club riders. But just the actual scenery of the Grand Prix circuit and everything itself when I first arrived, it was it was honestly just pinching yourself moment. It was like a, any person into motorsport, it was their absolute um, heaven. And uh, to be to be able to go over there and be testing a ZX10 Kawasaki Superbike was yeah that was just the icing on the cake. But um, in terms of coming to grips with it and everything like the the two test days I did over there it could not have gone any better um my progression through both of them days and keeping the thing shiny side up was uh, a real good uh, start to my uh, racing career over in um Italy even though we weren't racing it was um it was a good to get that testing behind us and it was more to see if I was good enough to be over there because um, we didn't just want to go over and not be competitive because it wouldn't further my career as a racer to be uh, so far off the pace kind of thing. And and the ZX-10 that you were riding, is that a lot different to the road-going version? Are they heavily modified or are they, they sort of based around the... Because the road bikes, the ZX-10 is considered at the moment one of the, the hot ticket bikes in terms of how much power it's got. Yeah, yeah, the the bikes, um, they pretty much look the same, but apart from that, that's where it pretty much ends because um, with the engine tuning and things that you can do within the Superbike regulations, because they're all FIM, so it's full World Superbike spec if you want to run it, um, yeah, the bikes are really far-fetched from the real thing. I mean, the, the biggest difference is... Um, the amount of engine work you can do to them, whereas the Australian rules, they're very limited. Yep. But over yep. in Europe, they run full FIM um, regulations. So the actual amount of work that can be done to these bikes is, is incredible. I think my ZX-10, I had a couple of engines last year, but one of them was producing 229 horsepower at the rear wheel That's on a bike that weighs hundred and 71 kilos i think so it was 
three kilos heavier than my super sport bike in Australia, but it had an extra 102 horsepower. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. I, uh, I race a GSX-R from time to time, and it's you know not an over-the-top engine, but the best I've managed is about 170, so I can't imagine what another 50, 60 horsepower would feel like. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. It, it, it honestly takes so much adjusting, and that's what I've really had to come to terms with this year because the characteristics... When you put that much horsepower inside a bike that with very similar chassis, um, yeah, it changes the characteristics massively, and that's why bike setup becomes so much more crucial. Now, now the King Racing team—they're based in northern Italy. Uh, I'm probably not going to pronounce this properly, which is sad because I'm Italian. But Reggio <laughs> Emilia—is that—is that—is that now uh, Red Emilia? Reggio Emilia, there you go. Uh, now, yeah. that's not far away from uh, Modena and uh, Bologna. Yeah, that's right. So that's basically the Detroit of Italy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you had and a chance to, to go to Ferrari or Lamborghini or, or uh, Ducati and check out the factories? Yeah, we did, actually. Um, when I went over for testing, my two test days were split up over a race weekend. So yep. I did one day's testing, then it was the CIV final round, and then I had my second test day on the Monday after the race meeting. So just so we weren't in the team's hair the whole weekend, we managed to um, jump down to uh, Bologna to go to the Ducati factory, and on the following day we were able to get to the Lamborghini factory, which is also based in Bologna. So. It was, uh, it was a pretty special two days, and um, yeah, it was incredible to see that sort of memorabilia all in one place. You're making us both very jealous at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Matt, I wanted to touch on the, the in 2000, this year, 2017, you raced in what the CIV Championship's called the National Trophy 1000cc. So... Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, that national trophy's been around for about 11 years or 10 years. That, that, yeah. So is that, I guess without knowing too much about it, is that like a feeder group into some sort of other, like into super bikes? Yeah, well, basically with, in Italy, the CIV Superbike paddock mm. is full. It's fully subscribed. So guys are competing to get wildcard events into the superbike rounds and you're also getting your world superbike riders trying to wildcard into um, the championship as well but because they're not fully listed there's a lot of opportunity for their big stars of the sport not being able to get on track so okay. they've developed national trophy which is a basically it's a feeder group for um, CIB superbike mm -hmm. but there's there's obviously people wanting glory and national trophy because it's ran on the same weekends with the same teams there and everything else. Because this year, I think we, we had pretty high hopes of how we'd go, but um, it was apparent from the first round. I currently had, um, it was nine permanent world superstock riders yeah. in the championship. And there was wild cards on top of that from World Superbike and World Supersport riders. So just to get a point scoring position 
you'd have to be pretty close to world class with it being on their home circuits as well, which is what I had to learn this year. Yeah, okay. Now, now, 2018, you, you guys are switching to the Yamaha. You, uh, you excited about the move? Yeah, yeah, I really am because we we didn't have any major issues with the Kawasaki, um, but just as how the season progressed and um, the way we wanted to move forward, it seemed the Yamaha talking to my um, Dyna engineers and the mechanics everything the R1 package was able to give us um, would be a step in the right direction with a newer design chassis and things like that. It was a, it was almost a no-brainer to go down that um, road, to be honest. And, and have you started testing yet on the R1? Uh, no, I currently am booked to test it for the first time at Jerez in Spain, and that's on the 10th, 11th, and 12th of January, so it's only a few weeks away now. Yeah, excellent. So looking forward, Matt, where, where would you like to be? Say 2020, where, where was Matt Price like to be? On the World Superbike grid, I think, for sure. Okay. And obviously, there's been some people that have helped you get there. Is there any sponsors you'd like to thank? Oh, yeah. Like, to be honest, the the last three years, I've had so much help from so many people. It's not even funny. And um, one of my main sponsors was uh, Junalup Carpet Corp. And I spoke to him in person after my first ever club race. And I basically just, like, asked if he'd help me out with cost of running club racing for the year and um he um, in return i advertised for him and that was basically my first sponsorship deal and uh, now it's still going strong now because um his support's been second to none and without their help i wouldn't be over in italy racing some of the world's best on the best grand prix circuits around so um yeah junior carpet court were a great influential tool for me to be able to uh, take my career to the next level Mm. Um, I also had Mark Gill from Leading Edge Motorcycle Sport which um, kind of brought this whole um, deal with me going over to Europe because he was approached by one of King Racing Team's uh, engineers and basically um, with results shown and the test got set up and the test went really well. It all just snowballed and I landed myself on a superbike in Italy. And um, without his help getting my riding to the level it was at to be noticed by these people, um, yeah, I'd probably still be uh, doing state rounds in WA or nationals in supersport. Mm. So, yeah, he was a real big influence in my racing career. Um, Moto Alliance have always been there from day one. Um, they're basically anything I can't get hold of or my sponsors don't supply, they supply to me. Um, and it's, it's just great having that kind of support because there was times, especially when we did nationals, we were cartwheeling the bike, learning how it worked, and then we'd have to rebuild it and try and get it out for the next race. And yeah, the amount of fiberglass we went through, I think, uh, Everyone in my family's got fiberglass splinters. (laughs) (laughs) 
But um, yeah, it was. It's been full on. I've had so much help, and I also had Ricondi leathers. Mm. Um, they've been fantastic. I've had custom suits off them the last two years, and like I said, I've had plenty of fiberglass splinters. But luckily, I've not broke any bones because uh, no, their, their suits have been absolutely top notch. And um, yeah, they've kept me safe and sound even when I've had some of my biggest crashes. So. No, without their help, um, I would probably be in a wheelchair, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, where can we find you on... Uh, I know you've got a Facebook page, so it's Matt Price Racing on Facebook. Is there somewhere else yeah. where we can find you? Instagram as well, Matt Price Racing? Uh, yeah, yeah, mattprice.racing on Instagram and at Matt Price Racing on Facebook is where I kind of throw all my videos, photos, and try and get as many people as close to the action as what I am. Sure. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm approachable. And, okay. yeah, I look forward to hearing from you all. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but also Nash, the National Trophy is streamed over the internet live. Is that is that correct? Have I got that right? Yeah, it is. Um, all over Europe, it goes through Sky Network, which is... Um, Australia's Foxtel, yep. but obviously because of the regions, um, it's sporttube.tv mm-hmm. um, slash live, yep. which is just their live channel. And pretty much I post all the links to the racing. So if you've got internet access, you just hit that link when I post it for the race weekends and tune in and you can watch me live on TV, hopefully at the sharp end. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Matt, uh, you've definitely got uh, a huge fan base over here and, and it's growing day by day and we look forward to seeing you win a few races this season and uh, we'll be cheering for you, that's for sure. Yeah, cool. Thanks a lot for your help, guys, and support it goes a long way. Thank, thanks for taking the time out for the interview, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, we really appreciate your time coming on here tonight. No worries. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Okay, take care. Cheers, mate. Mate, what an awesome bloke. I Top can't guy. wait oh, I can't wait to see him take some podiums this year. Big move to the new Yamaha deal. That should uh, be interesting. And uh, how awesome to be testing in Spain. I know. I mean, that's I like the, the motorcycle mecca when it comes to racing. <laughs> so what He's a, a good WA boy, Matt. Yeah, and, so um, we want everyone out there, all our fans, to uh, chase him up on social media, mm. follow his progress, and... As the live streaming is available. Yeah. Um, yep. I know I'll be watching the races. I will too, actually. And I want to thank Liz. I won't say her surname, but Liz, she knows who she is. Uh, she put us, she sent that as a suggestion for us to talk to. So many thanks, Liz. I appreciate that. So. Yes. Australia Post. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so, as we all know, all right, the, the Camry got. Um, Deferred, mm. deferred, because we didn't get our parts in time. I've actually, I'll, I'll talk about the Camry a bit later on, because yep. there's been some some progress. But um, I had another Australia Post incident. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we had some parts, a valve body and a torque converter had to go to Albany, right? And the guy rang up. It was a Friday afternoon. It was actually not this Friday, last Friday. And uh, we packaged everything up. I raced down to the post office. Sent it. What are you doing to the microphone? Eh? That's what? That's much better. Is it? Mm. What is it? Directional? Mm. Yep. Is that right? Mm. Yep. There you go. Learn something new every day. There you go. Does that sound much better, everyone? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I can hear it. Anyway, so I've boxed everything up. 
you know, you set these mics up. I did. Right? And you even gave me this big spiel about, oh, I've done all the volumes. I've done the levels. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> boxed everything up, sent it, right? Tuesday, get a phone call from this guy down in Albany. He says, hey, mate, uh, just wondering how we're going with the uh, the talk converter and the valve body. And I said, yeah, all, all sent on Friday. Look, I've got the tracking numbers because we always get tracking, which I think standard now, mm. right? And I, and I understand why it's standard now. And we also get a signature, okay? So, you know, there's no disputes whether the, the package got there or not. So I, I pulled up the tracking numbers. I gave him the tracking numbers and I had a look online. Straight post tracking, post in numbers. And it says, oh, it's going to be delivered Tuesday. So I said, listen, it's going to be delivered today. You know, check it yourself. He's literally around the corner. Yeah. No worries. Talk to you soon. No worries. So I was in a bit of a rush, right? I walk out the door. This is a, a couple of hours later. And I notice there's this package, right? sitting next to the doorway and I'm thinking this Australia Post guy is giving me the shits because <laughs> you know he's meant to get signatures or whatever he just dumps the stuff next to the doorway I pick up the package oh guess what it's the package I sent on Friday <laughs> so it's made it from the Malaga post office <laughs> to our workshop in Malaga from Friday to Tuesday so I grab it I race up to the uh, Malaga post office and I show them. I said, look, it's clearly Mark two mm. from, you know, the postcodes on the, on the you know, that they, they, they print that thing out, right? Mm. Oh, this guy needs his stuff. He's rung up earlier today wanting to know where it is. What are we going to do about this? What do you think we should do? Well, I think, you, you know, we should send it express now. Oh, you'll have to pay for that, Right. No culpability, no. no, right? And, and you know, she explained it. She goes, look, we're just agents, right? We've got nothing to do with Australia Post. You have to take it up with Australia Post. Okay, so I try to call Australia Post, right? Now, it says that they're operating hours, right? Uh, what I've, whatever till six, okay? So I'm assuming six o'clock, mm. got plenty of time. It's Eastern Standard Time mm. because they're based in Victoria, okay? So Wednesday, ring them up going through it all with the chick I said um, you know uh, the thing is we paid for a signature okay so can you um, can you produce this signature for me because it got delivered mm. the tracking shows the tracking's weird now because it's delivered and now it's in transit again right <laughs> she goes yeah I can see that I said you know I've got a pissed off customer down in Albany I need to explain this to him so she goes, oh, well, look, there's a name here. Someone there's accepted the package. Right? Now, I'm not going to, out of respect, I'm not going to say whose name it was, but suffice to say, I said, well, that's interesting because he hasn't worked for us since the 26th of the 7th. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not going to fly very well. I said, I can produce the documentation to show you the, the, um, you know, the date that he left. Oh, so we'll see what happens now, right? Because this has become a bit of a joke. He took out Camry parts with him over the weekend. You know, I don't know what he maybe took him out, took, bought him a few drinks. I don't know, I don't know what the story was. So anyway, so the the thing is though, I have noticed that this 
a trend that's happened and it's ever since the Australia Post vans changed their colour from red to the Star Trek blue and white. Mm. Okay. Yep. So there's a lot to be said for having your vehicles painted red. That's the moral <laughs> of the story, okay, for everyone out there. So did you do you want to move on to the listeners' questions or do you want to yeah, maybe talk about I want to talk about HSV. Yeah, let's let's throw HSV in. <laughs> we'll throw that in. We can get back to the listeners. If you're a listener and you had some questions for us, stay tuned. We'll stay. Get to them. <laughs> so we didn't quite know where we we're going. Obviously, if you're a HSV fan, you didn't quite know where I guess there was a lot of suggestion it was going to be Camaro. Uh, it's turned out to be that way, but they're also bringing over the Silverado as well as a, as a HSV. Now, they'll still be badged as Chevs because HSV doesn't see the value in badging those vehicles as Holdens. Do you think the Holden name's going to be around for a long time? I think it will be. What but, was it? but why? <laughs> I mean, no offence to, you know, mm. Holden fans. When we built a car here in Australia... Right, it was a cool deal. Yeah, you know, but now we don't. So it's going to be an Opal or a Chevrolet. Mm. You know, uh, so they currently uh, bring in the Dodge Ram. That's interesting, isn't it? And that will still continue. They don't feel that the Dodge Ram will conflict with their new. Not at all. Of course not. not. At all. Dodge Ram Silverado, <laughs> Elephant Lion. <laughs> That's a wog boy joke for anyone out there that didn't get that. What what I found interesting was, as I said, they're not going to put the Holden badge on the Camaro or the Silverado. They don't see the value in that. I'm glad. But it never stopped the millions of VE owners putting Chev badges on their Commodores. <laughs> VE, you're going to stop at VE. <laughs> they, they seem to have the majority of Chev badges. VZs as well, I guess. What are you? They were putting them on V6s. There's a whole there's a whole series of YouTube videos, the cartoons and that. Anyway. If you haven't seen that, that is quite sh- funny, actually. That cartoon, <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> the Cortina, yeah, That's- yeah, yeah. <laughs> towing a caravan. So, what, what? I mean, I also want to know. Do you think? I know the Colorado is is a step down, a significant step down from listen, the Silverado. Listen, listen, Nick. But- I'm just happy that there's going to be something for all those tuning workshops to put a camshaft in, yeah. because. I wasn't looking forward to doing converters for all-wheel drive Opals. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, with what's going on with the... What do they call them? Super Utes. Yeah, the Super what's Utes. What's Super about them? Well, they got a cape with an S hanging out of them or something. <laughs> you know, can you imagine, like... Uh, yeah, okay, mate, yeah, so what, what do you... What do you, what do you got? Well, I've got a turbo diesel <laughs> Triton. What are they? Is Mitsubishi in on it? Yeah, yeah. Mitsubishi yeah. is actually the first thing about admit, putting to be a cam honest. in it. <laughs> do you do a high stall for a Mitsubishi Triton turbo diesel? <laughs> so I'm glad we're getting the Camaro. I'm devastated we're not getting the Corvette. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I think that's well, a huge mistake. No, I mean, the Camaro is more... I think more people are going to buy Camaros for two reasons. The price tag, I've got to admit, I think that... The guys, you know, if they can get these in at about eighty-five grand, is what what they've suggested, they'll sell. Yeah, that will be a line from here to Darwin mm, queuing mm, up for that mm. at eighty-five grand. And and the thing is, it's a workable engine. Yeah, like the Mustang. You want to change your camshaft, you've got to change four of them. You got to mm. remortgage the house. Mm. Probably costs as much as a car. Yeah, you know. 
Because anyway, so same. good news for all the Holden fans or the GM fans out there. You're going to get the Camaro. Yeah, way better looking car than the Mustang. It is a way better look. As much as we're Ford fans through and through, but I, I you wouldn't have to think say, so yeah, listening no, to this. Would the you? Camaro is a way better looking car, and I'm glad that they're not putting the Holden badge on the Silverado because last time they tried that. It, it failed. Was, it was a disaster. Yeah. It was a disaster. And hopefully they'll have the foresight to make sure that the options available on these are a spec suited to Australia. Because mm. the Suburbans that we had, they had a shit gearbox. The engine was a lemon. Mm. It was just a piece of junk. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so moving on. Moving on. We're going to go from one extreme to the other. So from, from HSV to McLaren. To McLaren, yeah. They see the similarities there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? There is similar because Walkinshaw, mm. you know, Walkinshaw and McLaren, that's a bit... Walkinshaw had a Formula One team at one stage. Yeah, they it? did, yeah. You yep. know what I mean? There's, a, there's similarities there. HSV is Walkinshaw. Well, if you really now, now let's. There is a link there. His name is Zach Brown. Now, the the guy that runs McLaren, the Formula One team, Zach Brown, he also is going into partnership with Ryan Walkinshaw as well. So yes, there is a. Oh, there, there you is, go. There is a link there. Didn't stronger, even know that. Than, but his McLaren hat is not being worn in his link with Ryan Walkinshaw. If that makes sense. He's got a hat that says McLaren. Well, he, he works for McLaren at, at, at a Formula One level, but his involvement with Ryan Wilkinshaw is completely unrelated to that McLaren link, if that makes sense. It's his own business. Okay. To do with if you say He's so the enough. same person, I guess. I know you're, you're looking at me strange, but you, our listeners will understand what I mean. I'm not arguing with you. This isn't. A, there's no conflict of interest. It's, hang on, let's start again. It's a V8 with a yes. flat plane crank. That's correct, yes. It's not a the... flat floor. I got it's not a Volkswagen order. engine. There no. is no Subaru or Volkswagen <laughs> engines in this McLaren. 789 horsepower. Is that about what the, this, what the super utes make? Or? Yeah, they wish. <laughs> Downhill with the wind behind them. No, no, they make 780 newton metres of torque. <laughs> They wish. So they're producing 500 of these things and a cool 750,000 pounds. I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's bad. Although this 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 pales in comparison to the um, the Koenig. Oh yeah. Zig zig. Yeah. <laughs> However you say it. The Koenig. Yeah, because that that was like two and a half million mm. or something. And then we go up to Ferrari's hybrid version la ferrari which was 12 mil 12 million dollars mm, yeah 12 million dollars well it's a ferrari hybrid <laughs> 12 i don't know what to say there yeah but i mean does it run sevens the koenig runs sevens yeah no i don't think it does and the koenig didn't it just reset every road yeah, car record yeah, on the planet basically yep Yep. So, I don't know, it's 750 pound, it's probably pocket change to someone that's got a left Ferrari. Mm. But it does it has a it has a fit now the McLaren in in the supercar market, I guess, and there's we're starting to see more and more of them even in Australia as well. Um I think they'll only grow you know, in you popularity. Know, it was Bruce's intention to build road cars, Bruce, mm. Bruce McLaren. He actually died testing the M6, I think it was. Okay. Serbring, I think. From memory, yep. they they open, like the front and the back opened like that. Mm-hmm. You can't unless you're watching this. You can't see what I'm doing with my hands. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the, the back opened. They were based on a Can-Am car, basically. Very, very winning. McLaren owned Can-Am for a long time there. Mm. I think we've discussed this once before. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, apparently the back opened up and uh, threw him over the wall. Mm. Uh, yeah, okay. He died, sadly. But, yeah, it was always his intention to go down that road. He actually built some M6 prototypes, which are, for those of you that are old like us, what was that show on TV? Hardcastle and McCormick. Hardcastle and McCormick, yeah. The original, the original car. Yeah. The second one was a Fiero with a, a weird-looking body no, kit No, the on. second one was actually a, 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 a DeLorean. Was it? Yeah, no. It was DeLorean. Yeah. yeah, it was. They it was did a that De- to a DeLorean. DeLorean, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. But the first one so, was, yeah. Only first series one and maybe series two, but then they changed it. The irony is the first one would have been on a Volkswagen chassis. Mm. <laughs> so they saw the Volkswagen as being more valuable than the DeLorean. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, how many? They're, they're building... Uh, 500. 500. 500 units. 500. Yeah. So, if you want one, you better get in there quick. Yeah. No. <laughs> NHRA. I know NHRA finished um, a few weeks ago, but really great news for our Aussie Richie Crampton. He has signed with Coletta Motorsports for the entire 2018 season. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. That awesome. is awesome news. Interestingly enough, Connie will be actually tuning this car. Connie Coletta, that is. Connie always tunes. Mm. You know, yeah, like he's, he'll have co-crew chiefs there, yeah. but he is the, the backbone of that team. Yeah. So this is really good news for uh, Richie. I think, you know, he's he's never... I don't think he's had a full season. He's had a US Nationals victory a couple of years ago. But yeah, that's the that thing. Like, he's only had 80 career starts. Yeah. And, and you look at how much he's done in that short space of time. I mean, you know, obviously... A certain degree of it, maybe a large portion, comes down to the team and the crew chief because mm. you've got to make the call. You've got to have the the horse yeah. you know, that's going to win. Mm. But you still got to cut a light. you still got to keep it together. And, uh, you know, at the end mm. of the day, I've never driven one of those things, but uh, I don't think it's something that uh, just anyone can get in and, and do. So that's great news. Um, in NASCAR news as well, Richard Petty this week has released news that they are changing over to Chevrolet and in partnership with Richard Childress Racing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. How many years has he been Chrysler's... Well, he was Ford for a few years. He was Ford since 2010, but he was Chrysler prior. He was always been Chrysler He, he was, he was the Chrysler. Mm. So you'd think if he was going to switch, he'd switch back to Chrysler. Yeah, no, no, he's gone. Well, this partnership with Richard Childress has obviously made it difficult for them to go any other way. Other, And also next year in the, the top tier of NASCAR, they are changing to Camaros, funnily enough. Really? Yeah. So the Impala has died it's gone yeah okay i always question <laughs> I, I agree with you entirely i always question when they made the change many years ago to a what we would call a four-door car why they picked the lumina the and then the taurus mon- yeah the taurus that <laughs> the was a taurus. shocker wasn't it it had the, really good aerodynamics though. yeah the fusion and and now uh, you know, in recent years, Chev, well, the Chev teams were in parlors, which just failed to hit the mark in the US. That that Ford had the ugliest front end I've ever seen 
that whole yeah. Mondeo look is shocking. Mm, yeah. it, you know, the only thing it kind of looks all right on is the trucks, <laughs> the Ranger and that, you know. But what I mean, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting time. So that I've seen the the ZL one in the um the forty three livery looked quite good actually. So I think that's a big step forward for NASCAR in their in their change over to Chevrolet or Camaros, more importantly. All right, we do have some listener questions here. Oh. We're only going to say first names because we don't want to use surnames. Okay. Do you, I'm going to start with... We'll start from the top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marty. Marty. Yeah, Marty's making a valid question. Mm, Jeanette goes, hi, guys. I love the podcast. Thanks, Marty. Did you put that in or no, did he? No, 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 no he actually said is, that. I am cut and paste here. I'm going to not... <laughs> I find finding info on the and history on West Australian drag racing really difficult. So hearing you guys talk about it with all your knowledge is super interesting to me. My question for the podcast is, where are the real Nitro funny cars? I remember seeing Chemical Warfare, etc. at Quinana when I was young, and these Aeroflow, out, Aeroflow Outlaw class just aren't the same. What are the different spec-wise, and what are the chances of seeing those cars... All top fuel back in Perth. Keep up the great work. All right. So it's a lot of questions here. Okay. Mm. So I'll just, I'll start at the, the end. Uh, the chances getting top fuel back in Perth. So what's happened now, because Thunder 400 owns the, what did I call it top fuel? Yeah, they do call it top fuel because one of the top fuel teams registered the name, I believe. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think there's something sketchy like that happened anyway so basically for uh the motorplex to run any of the big events such as top fuel top door slammer top alcohol they have to pay thunder 400 i don't know the exact figure and then thunder 400 will come out here and uh will allow them to host the event basically yep so that's that's where we're at at the moment um obviously you need to get the money from somewhere mm. and um the track is currently running at a, a loss and eventually the state government you know is gonna well i mean they're gonna sell it that's the, the truth of the matter if it hasn't already been sold and we just haven't been told about it so it may happen whoever takes over the track you know, may have a better strategy to get the crowds down there. The big problem we've got at the moment is we're just not getting the crowd numbers. And if we can't get the, the you know, people through the gate, we can't put money in the till. If we can't put money in the till, we can't pay for these sorts of things. But they're around. They're floating around on the East Coast. And, you know, chances are maybe one day, maybe next season, season after, we might see top fuel again. Uh, as far as the outlaw versus the real Nitro Funny Cars, the main difference is... Uh, the supercharger and the size of the fuel pump. The rest of it's pretty much the same. We don't run the American rules over here. So the American rules are limited to a 21 gallon, I think 20 or 21 gallon fuel pump. The Cowan rules, and, and you know, that's what they are because he's made the rules up and Andrew's just signed off on it. Um, they're allowed to run a 30 four gallon i think it is yep. uh, the superchargers in the american not nostalgia nitro funny cars is uh, a 671 standard helix as it is over here right uh, they're not allowed to swing the timing over there 
we are. We run all sorts of ignition control modules, etc., etc. Now, uh, so that's basically what a nostalgia car is, and obviously, um, you know, they run some of them run the earlier bodies, but you're allowed to run the late model bodies under the Australian rules. The real nitro funny cars, they run a 1471 non-helix supercharger, way bigger supercharger, moves a lot more air, okay? The fuel pumps, um, I couldn't tell you how big they're running now because that, so basically nitro carries its own oxygen. Mm. The more nitro you can shove in that engine, the more power it's gonna make. So I believe they're well over 100 gallons uh, in the fuel pumps. They run two fuel pumps side by side. They're massive fuel pumps. And because of that, you can get a lot more volume and you've got a bigger supercharger so you can get more in there and you can make a lot more power. So these things, I would estimate that your, your nostalgia nitros make somewhere around a 3,600 horsepower, somewhere around there. To run 540s, that's mm. kind of, you know, where I would expect maybe 4,000, you know, around there. The, the real nitro funny cars make about 10,000, so double and some. Yeah. Um, the nostalgia cars, most of them run a two-speed transmission with what they call a Crower Glide clutch, which is basically a big centrifugal clutch, not a lot different to what you'd find on a go-kart, to be mm. honest with you. It's just a, it, it uses uh, clutch discs and floaters uh, rather than two big shoes and a drum like you'd see on a go-kart. But they work the same way. You rev it up, it gets to a certain RPM, and it starts to, the fingers throw out yeah. and they start to apply the clutch. And they run usually a two-speed transmission, whereas the real Nitro Funny Cars run like a 10 or 14 or whatever stage mm. uh, clutch. So it, it's just slowly burning the clutch up as it goes down the track. So basically, there is a, um, a throw-out bearing which is kind of like, you know, in, in your manual car when you push down on the clutch pedal. Well, there's this thing called an air cannon that's connected to that, and it basically slides, it finds the friction point and slowly slides it out. And as that's sliding out, they're pushing more fuel in. They're moving the timing around to control the power. And as it gets towards the end of the track, the clutch finally locks up and they've got all the fuel going in there. And, you know, and that's the thing. Yeah. So that's that's what why there's... a about a second difference between a nostalgia car and a uh, a real car. Um, will we see him back in Perth? Well, I believe Mark Sheehan's uh, car is still going. The Chemical Warfare car is around, but they've also switched to nostalgia cars mm. or car. Um, and I believe Mark's switching to uh, nostalgia car. One thing that I will say, I don't know if I'm... If I'm allowed to let the cat out of the bag, but I'm going to do it anyway. I seem to do it every episode. So um, I believe that the Southside's car, Lloyd and Graham's, yeah, um, will be making a return. Oh, really? As a nostalgia car. That's my favourite. Is that? Yeah. There you go. It's obvious. I don't know if it's going to have Southside on the side anymore. They um, ruled the roost, those guys. Yeah, they were pretty cool. They were, but they you didn't, you Lloyd. didn't, you didn't, you, oh, Lloyd, you know, I always, right out the back door. <laughs> I always hold uh, Lloyd with the, you know, the highest respect. Um, I don't know if Lloyd's involved. I oh, believe okay. it's uh, Graham and, um, like I said, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to let the cat out of the bag, but I believe um, uh, Matt Treasure. Uh, now, I don't know whether, which one. 
because remember there's two. Oh, okay. <laughs> so right. there you go. It's still it's still out in the open. <laughs> Can I say something about the Jones? I went to the 1998 Nitro Funny Car Championship. Jesus, you are showing your age now. <laughs> I went with a whole lot of mates. Actually, it was a great weekend. It was a weekend down at Ravenswood, and Graham and Lloyd Jones that they won. They won the meet, as as we know. And I I was there, but I bought the video of at the time. And I've watched that video time and time again. And right at the end, because Green Man, he lost, and he's like yeah. congratulating Lloyd and Graham Jones and Dobbo there. And Lloyd Jones goes, right out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I say it all the time, right out the back door. <laughs> so anyway, there's a bit of history for you. So that's that car. They've kept that car, have they? Yeah, I that car yeah, yeah. It, it, look, a lot of people have... Uh, I, I know this for a fact. I've approached Graham over the years, um, saying that they're going to buy it, and they've all fallen through. Mm. Um, you know, it's been there. If if anyone had showed up with the cash, they could have bought it. So I don't think that car raced much after two thousand. It did a fair bit of match racing with Green Man and and uh, a few other guys, and uh, the other guy, Powerball McGrath, Gary McGrath. Yep. But I don't remember seeing it much. I don't... Correct me if I'm wrong. I actually don't even remember seeing it at the Motorplex. No, I, I don't. I could be wrong. No, I don't think it ran at the Motorplex. Mm. So that would be great. That's that's really good news. I, I think... Look. The nostalgia deal... I don't know. The, the bottom line is this, Marty. It's very, very expensive to run a fuel car. Uh, it... it I spoke to a few guys. This is a few years ago. So, so I was having a crack at door slammer, and you know, and and this is I, I'm going to say this. I know I'm going to offend a lot of people, but I'm going to say it. This is typical of what happens when you're racing a blind alcohol deal. You can't get it to run that good, so you decide to switch to nitro. <laughs> Right, he said that. <laughs> this is no, this is common. This is common, and I went through this. So we were going okay, but you know we weren't setting any records, and and it's easy to say, oh, you know, we've only got the early cylinder heads, and our car's not that, you know. But it is what it is. At the end of the day, the, there's a, there's a group of people at the pointy end, yep. <laughs> just like there is in MotoGP and V8 supercars, and then there's everyone else. I was in the everyone else category, so. <laughs> Um, so this was a few years ago and I had a meeting I'd, I'd spoken to it was a car uh, for sale um, and I'd spoken to the crew chief he was flying over to Perth on business and I had a meeting with myself Rory from Speed Talk mm -hmm. who you know if I ever went down the road of running Nitro he would be the man that I would be getting as a crew chief um, and and yeah we, we sat down and had a chat and I was thinking about uh, selling everything and stepping into a nitro deal. And back then, you were looking at $14,000 per run. Wow. Right? So, you're probably thinking, how do you come to that number? Well, this is how you come to that number. You get about four runs out of a crankshaft. You change the rods and pistons every lap. You, you check them, you measure them, and you might run them again. The big teams in America don't. They throw them in the bin, right? But, uh, you know, over here, we kind of try and use them for a bit. Um, 
you melt everything mm. every run just because the exhaust gas temperatures are so hot so the exhaust valves and stuff you know like you're going through checking how straight they are and throwing them away and whatever so that's what it works out to the clutch discs you burn up you know a heap of clutch discs uh, it's expensive so yeah. if you think about it i don't know what the prize money is now but it used to be 10 grand to run top fuel mm. right and even if you did the minimum amount of runs you'd have to do one to qualify right and then three if we had a, a full field yeah to, to get to the finals right so you know that's a fifty sixty thousand dollar weekend mm. to race for 10 grand it's just not feasible yeah you know um so yeah it's it's a hard deal i mean i i love the real nitro funny cars there is nothing on the planet you know mm. like these things yeah they got the head of flames and they make a bit of noise but man you know you go and watch those videos of, of when they just blat the throttle and you know it's just I'm, i i know that every time i have brought anyone down to the track and a nitro a real nitro car has been running or a uh, real top fuel car because we're going to have nostalgia drags this soon Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just around the corner. There's, I think there's about four in Perth at the moment. They all go, oh, my God, mm. I have never... Because you can block your ears all you want. Oh, right? yeah, you know, You're going to feel it. Body. You're yeah. going to feel it through. Yeah. But it's incredible. And you, and you think about it. you got over a 1,000 horsepower per cylinder mm. punching out of that tube. Yeah. You know, and it's no wonder that when they drop a cylinder, they change lanes because yeah. yeah. there's just so much pressure coming out of it. Mm. So... I don't think we're going to, sadly, I don't think, and, and I've got to be honest with you, um, I don't know how many years the sport's got left in it worldwide mm. because, you know, you think about what we do and it goes against everything that is out there at the moment. We're trying to burn as much fuel as possible in the shortest amount of time. It goes completely against convention. Yeah. You know, we're all about green and hybrid and electric power um uh, uh, there is a really cool video if you get a chance there is a cool video of the world record for an electric dragster and um it's it's shot from behind the uh, roll cage the um cockpit i yep. guess looking down over the motors and the motors are eating themselves up and self-destructing <laughs> as they're going down the track now i'll watch it and i think that's pretty cool man that, that is, is cool. not not a lot different I've seen that video, it's yeah. pretty you know it is um it's pretty cool it's not a lot different to watching a fuel car because essentially when you're seeing you know blue and white flames the white's titanium <laughs> so that's a valve right and the blue is the head gasket that's copper so you see him doing all that crazy stuff. And, and that's the thing. Don Garlitz, um, actually, he's going for the world record, right? Yeah. <clears throat> With his electric dragster. <clears throat> and um, he talks about the last season that he raced and how he built these beautiful motors and he didn't hurt any of them. Mm. But he also only qualified at one meeting, yeah. right? Because yeah. you essentially have to push these things to the point where they're squashing the bearing, mm. where they're, they're eating themselves up, where they're killing themselves. And that's where the expense is, yeah. right? And when you try and limit something, it doesn't work. Yeah. It just does not work. It does not matter how you limit it. Um, there is always going to be someone out there that's got a big checkbook and he's going to buy his way around it. Yeah. And that's yeah. just the way it is. And 
the the thing is with top fuel in America at the moment, you've got all these you know billionaires basically, um, and and they've got mates that own these companies that throw the sponsorship money around, and you know it's working for them. Uh, we're not like that over here. We're very uh, toffee nosed. Uh, you know our big corporate businesses, uh, you know, want to sponsor things that are family orientated. Footy. I mean, it, it, the the thing is, right? Can you imagine now if we had the reverse gears from, you know, when we first got into drag mm. racing? You know, the, these girls would get out there wearing practically nothing to guide the cars back, and and it was a real bloke show. Really, mm. you know, the the guys went there for that reason now it's family so in short i don't know when we're gonna i don't think we're ever gonna see the real nitro funny cars again no i don't think so either but we might see top fuel mm. you know in the next year or two um in the meantime uh, i guess the nostalgia deal you know you know there's some wa teams doing all right mm. the uh catavatis team yeah, yeah. Uh, they ran in the uh, 564 i think mm. it was so um you know they, they're uh is certainly in the hunt. Yeah. You know. Mm. You know. So yeah. anyway. Moving right, on. Moving on. on. Sorry for the long winded answer there. This this one will be even longer, I reckon. Stu asks I want to know how many five point six second laps you can do a Liberty five speed before the maintenance costs outweigh the benefit that comes from a reduction of a couple of hundred horsepower in the drive line. Any info from the inside, Goddens? This was not the question aimed at me, that's well, for sure. Well, Stu, um, I mean... This I, is in reference to the John Zappier yeah, discussion. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. That's, and that's the thing. You know, Zap's not running one. Mm. He's just got a BNJ three-speed in it, right? Um, I know, don't think Stu's suggesting that. He's no, no, no. But, but the thing is, though, right, for all the other people out there that are buying these five speeds, the quickest guy isn't mm. running one. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of like a fad, yeah, <laughs> you know? Okay. So I don't know what the maintenance regime is on the transmissions. The ones that they're running, the Pro Mod version, is a lot bigger than, you know, the Pro Stock mm. version. Um, the, tra- the transmission maintenance, yeah, I, I, I don't have an answer there. But the differential, and this is the interesting point, the guys running those, from what I've heard, they're only getting four to five laps out of the crown wheel opinion. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, when you shift uh, uh, Lenko's and uh, B&J's, right, and Jeffco's, and there's a couple other ones out there, uh, they're referred to as a planetary transmission because each section has got a planetary assembly in it, right? So the way they work is... When you so basically a three speed, right, has got two gearboxes, mm. okay, and then a reverser, so you can get reverse in any of those gears, okay, and you and you multiply the ratios against each other. So okay. if you've got a two to one, and then another two to one, your first gear ratio is four to one, and then your second gear ratio is two to one, and then your third gear ratio is one to one. Okay, what you're doing is dropping out the transmission you're you're making it go one to one right so inside it there's a planetary assembly so for those of you that don't know what a planetary uh, assembly is a planetary assembly comprises of uh, three major components you have the sun gear which is the gear in the center 
then you have the planetary gears, which, as the name suggests, they, uh, I guess, orbit. <laughs> orbit would be the appropriate yeah. term, yeah. The sun gear, like the planets orbit the sun. And then you have the ring gear, which goes around the outside. Yeah. Okay? And the shaft goes through the middle, and it turns one of those, right? And, and I know that sounds strange, me saying that it turns one of those, but you can make planetaries do some weird things. Now, when, when that happens, you get a reaction where another part wants to turn in the opposite direction, right? So they have this thing called a sprag, which is a one-way clutch, right? And you'll hear them talk about when they get really bad tyre shake, that they break the sprag. And, you know, interviews, especially years ago, the sprags have come a long way in the last mm. probably 10 years. But years ago, it, w it was common to hear them say, oh, you know, we flipped the sprag or rolled the sprag or broke the sprag, right? So when you're in first gear, you're driving through the two transmissions and both those transmissions, the, the planetary assembly is being held against the sprag. That's the, the opposite, you know, reaction, let's call it, right? When you shift to the next gear, there's a sec set of clutches in there and they clamp together. And what they do is they lock the input shaft and the output shaft of that gearbox together. So it goes from driving through the, let's say, two to one ratio, and it becomes one to one, right? So you drop off that gearbox. Now, there is a, a, a fair amount of friction while you're not in the gear, right? And there is a fair amount of friction while you're in the gear. So when you're using that reduction, you've got those friction plates all rubbing against each other. Right? Mm. So they're generating heat and your horsepower is getting turned into heat, right? And then when you shift, there is a, um, uh, a special bearing. It's called an angular velocity bearing, I think is the technical term for it. And the mechanism that pushes the clutches together and clamps them is then pushing against that bearing. And that also takes a lot of energy, you know, to, to turn, okay? So... Is it worth it? Well, at the end of the day, like I said before, in answer to Marty's question, mm. you're always going to find someone that's prepared to spend the money. It's as yep. simple as that. And they don't care if they've got to replace a diff every lap, mm. you know? So it's really, I think it's more of a question of Andra um, to, you know, do you want door slammer? And I think Door Slam is pretty much already there where you need to be a millionaire to run the class or you need to have a millionaire backing you. Yeah. You know, um, you know, do you want it to be a class that's only for the rich and famous? Uh, look, if it was up to me, mm. I, I would, um, you know, I mean, all they've got to do is say you're only allowed this many gears or yeah. it must be a planetary assembly, but they're not doing anything about it. Mm. They, um. they, now, this is another thing too because... A while back, one of the teams uh, tested... So, so a Hemi's got a 4.8-inch bore spacing. So that yep. means from the centre of the bore to the centre of the bore is 4.8 inches. And a team tested a 4.9 because that's what... You know, you can buy 4.9, you can buy 5, you can buy up to 5.3, right? Okay. So a team tested a 4.9. Now, the, the reason the 4.9 is significant like why that number is significant is currently we run a 4.467 inch bore right 
and a 4.9 allows us to go to 4.5 inch bore, right? Which is just a nice, you know, piston forging that's easily available, yep. you know. And that lets you take a little bit of stroke out of the engine and just makes everything a bit nicer, a bit stiffer, you know. So a team tested it and they went fast, but they also went fast with their 4.8 bore spacing engine so it's not like the engines are any bigger because as they go bigger in the bore they go shorter in the stroke right um but uh on the spot thunder 400 because they're allowed to do this they have it written into their constitution or whatever rules they banned the 4.9 bore spacing now there were, I, i've i'm not privy to any of this information anymore because i don't hold a group one license anymore and I don't race anymore, but uh, I, I'm led to believe that there is some talk about the 4.9 motors being allowed in. So once again, you know, where do you draw the line? Yeah. I mean, if I was going to do anything to try and keep the cost down in Door Slammer, I'd start with the body rules because... <laughs> You know, and once again, it's ironic because the guy who's won the last 10 championships, the guy who's got the national record, he didn't, he hasn't got some, you know, I've got the quickest, uh, you know, white Monaro blue stripes record. He, he's got an official record that was set at an official event where the car was weighed, right, and it was teched and they checked it. And there was no auto shifting going on, no traction control. It was all legit, right? Yeah. That guy's got a car that still looks like a HQ, mm. where you can go, hey, that's a HQ Monaro. That's right. I don't know what that thing that Capiris used to race was. A Batmobile, maybe. Oh, the, which, the Studebaker? Studebaker. Mm. No, I don't think it was a Studebaker. I think it was a... Are you talking about which... which, which the red and black one. Yeah, that was a... What was that called, that thing? <laughs> there, see? Saratoga. Saratoga. That's Saratoga. Right. Yeah, yeah. Saratoga party. <laughs> Sarah came to the toga party. Anyway, so I think that the body rules, you know, and this is the thing, like, I think everyone's given up, right? The, I noticed it with the overhang rules, okay? So we had from the center of the front wheel to the front bumper, it had to be whatever, okay? And then someone brought a car in that was a bit longer and they changed the rule. Mm. And then someone brought another car in that was a bit longer. You know, and now we're... In the meantime, they made Zap cut his wing down. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that car... The, the old rules back in the day when I built my car, it said, whoever built the first one, yours has got to comply to that. Okay, so Marcus Chambers was the guy who built... And his overhang was, you know... like We had a billiard table painted on his wing. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I do remember that car quite well. His, <laughs> his HQ. So, it's ironic that, you know, we, we're allowing all this stuff and then, then we're whinging about the guy who's win, winning when his car's all compliant. Yeah. Know. You know? Yeah. So, what, what's where this is going, where I see this going, is that we're just going to allow the American rules. But... Because certain races are scared that smart people might enter into the sport or that current races might go, well, you know, I've run the HQ for years. How about I switch to something slippery? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the thing is, like, blunt at the front. Mm, it's flat. It is, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, 
so they they're not allowing the Camaros, the slippery Camaros, and you know those shapes. Yet they allow cars like Ben Bray's. Yeah. So you know the first thing we need to do is get some consistency here. I agree. You know what I mean. Yeah. So we either go back to proper Australian rules, right? Which said that if it was a current model car, the body had to be standard. That's what the rules said. I'm I'm sick of listening to the bullshit about what the rules because I built a car to those rules, right? Or if it was a pre-70s car or 71, right? I think the cutoff is 72. 72, yeah. actually, I think yeah. it is. So 72 or older, you're allowed to chop the roof and you're allowed to do this and you're allowed to do that, right? I'm, I'm cool with those rules. But where we are now and where we're going, who knows? Who knows? I think at the end of the day, it's a case of the squeaky wheel gets the oil, yeah. Yeah. right? Except in this case, the wheel has pockets full of money. <laughs> and as it rolls and squeaks a lot, it's throwing a lot of this money around. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say, Stu. At the end of the day, the guy who's got the national record, he's not running one of those liberties. <laughs> so if these other guys think that it's worth changing a diff every... You know, you know probably what's going to end up happening is that... Um, Zap's going to continue winning. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe these other guys, you know, they've gotten lucky at a couple of rounds now, right? And we've got Spinozzi coming in too. Yep. So uh, either Zap's going to continue winning and these guys are going to get the shits and leave, right? Or they're going to make it that expensive that there's going to be Spinozzi and Moitz racing and everyone else is going to quit. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll start a new class. We'll call it Junior Slammer or something. Junior Slammer. Maybe we'll go back to calling it Top Door Slammer. But anyway. Once again, sorry for the long-winded answer. All right. Thanks, Stu, for your question. Uh, Mike, uh, it was more of a statement. I've replied to Mike as well. He said the podcast keeps stopping. I'm assuming, Mike, you're playing it through the facebook link mm. if you do that it does stop yes so we we've had this discussion there. mike yeah. i've told nick about this <laughs> okay so all i can suggest is that you copy and paste the link and put it in another browser or just get it directly off our website or go to itunes um i'll look at um, it, it seems to be browser orientated but anyway i there's I want to put the link up on our Facebook page so that people know that it's uh, that there's a new episode out. But I think what you need to do is right-click on that link, paste the link, copy and paste the link in another browser. Or you could just go to our website. Or go straight to our website. <laughs> Which, for some reason, Nick doesn't like me saying that. Nick, go straight to our website. <laughs> uh, John wrote, um, great podcast, guys. Now, what's the link to the Mechanis Radial Tired Kit video spoof? I actually, I've replied to John as well and sent him the link. Thanks, because I've been asking you for that link for ages. I, I tagged you in it ages ago, but <laughs> I, I, I did. No, I did. I did. I did. So I'll tag you in it again. It's, it's hilarious. It's, Tim Mechanis at his best. It's finest work. The last question was, again, a statement. It was from Jamie, young Jamie. Um, he said, the Western Nationals is an Andrew event with records setting like normal guys, Sportsman Summit and 400 Thunder. So now, I was... Now, this is interesting. This is interesting. I, I read this in the notes. And um, I, firstly, I apologise because I, I didn't think No, I think, think it was, was me. I like, think it was whoever, me. Yeah, it was me. You? But the thing is, though, so if you're running top door slammer, mm. right? Thunder checks your car. Yep. Right? 
and Andrew checks your car if it's an Andrew event. Okay? But Andra can only stop you racing if you've got a safety issue, if it's an Andra event. Right? Thunder check the car for legality for the class because they can change the rules without notifying anyone. Well, I don't think Jamie's statement was in relation to that. No, I no, he's, he's relating to Group 2 and Group yeah, 3, I would imagine. Correct. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was actually, you know, we've had a few discussions about this around the shop because, um, you know, we've got a, a lot of cars that, are record contenders and everyone's very confused now as to what record is what because if you race at Sydney or Queensland um, or Willowbank um, it's IHRA so and you know Andra has this track's a quarter mile track mm. Calder runs a thousand and Adelaide runs a thousand so it's pretty. <laughs> it's... But Jamie, I can I can advise you. I when I read your comment, I thought, no, I probably I've probably led you astray there. So you know what I've done? What have you done? I've become an Andrew member. Oh, have you? Yep. So you know, after well, you all know these what? years, you know what? That's great news. You know why? Mm. When I have a question to ask about a roll cage, yep. or a chassis you know, that I'm fixing, building or whatever, I can get you to ring them up now. Yeah, I can. I'm in, because I they am, just hang up on me now. <laughs> I am a fully, well, I don't know, I'm the associate member of Andra. There you go, Jamie. All right, on that note. No, um, no, no. That, that's all the questions. That's the questions, yeah? yeah. that's all of our that... questions. That's it. You sure? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> you positive? Well, the Camry. You want to talk about the Camry? The Camry. All right, mm. so, so... So, some parts didn't show up Australia Post. Yep. We know that story. Well, there's a bit more to the story. There's a bit more to the story. There were some other parts, and I didn't want to throw anyone under the bus, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, right? But I've been waiting for these parts, and it's... Yep, they'll be ready in two weeks. (laughs) This is two weeks from when we started the Camry, right? (laughs) I'm not aware of this. Yeah, I, I I haven't really discussed it anyway. So, there's been some progress. We're still waiting for those parts. Mm-hmm. Right? I've given up on those parts. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it over the weekend. And I thought, you know what? We kind of lost sight of where we were going. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Scott got this supposedly standard Falcon. Yeah. Did minimal to it and raced it. Okay. And, you know, the, the motor in the Camry scared me when I pulled it apart. Like, I had a cardiac arrest because the pistons were paid, made out of papier-mâché. <laughs> the Conrods were made out of China. You know, so... Not in China, out of China, right? So, <laughs> so I was just scared this thing was just going to burn up and destroy itself. And then I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm, I've, I've been off the car since we missed Drag Challenge, mm. right? Been completely off it. And I thought, you know what? We need to, we really need to look at this from a different perspective, okay? So, what we need to be doing is is what Scott did. We need to get a stock standard Camry, mm. right? And bolt a turbo on it. 
Oh, really? That, well, that's, I mean, that to me, that seems, you know, the, what we should be doing, you know what I mean? So... Jeez, we have gone the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, we've gone a long, long way. A long, <laughs> long, long way. Long. What's going to happen to that camera? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Anyway, so... Um, obviously, the manifolding that we made up, you got to drop the crossmember to fit it mm. because... You know, it's the joys of working on an east-west front-wheel drive car. So the boys dropped the crossmember today, right? And tomorrow night, Dave's coming. Mm -hmm. I expect you to be there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're going to try and bolt this turbo on this dead standard Camry engine. On that one out there. <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> and if it blows up on the dyno, well, it wasn't meant to be. But if it makes it off the dyno... We'll have some action sooner than expected. Well, there you have it. That's a, that is a bombshell, that one. And if it runs faster than the Falcon, we're heading straight across the Nullarbor. <laughs> Watch out, Scott. All right, talking about the Camry, thanks to our sponsors, All Fast Torque Converters, SCM Performance. Listen, the thing is we're going to wrap this thing up, Yeah. right? Uh, I want to hear in from our listeners. Mm. You know, what should we do next? Should should we do, we should should we do a Commodore with an LS in it? No, no. I was going to say, what? well, yeah, that'd be. But that's been done to death. A Commodore with an oh, LS. I know, I know, but it's like it's trendy. No. It's no, no. What should we do? Let's hear some suggestions. Let's hear crazy. Think of the crazy things that we do. I'm mm. I'm right into this electric thing. Yeah, but let's let's get the Camry. <laughs> done and then we can throw that well you know how there. much planning's involved in these things yeah true you know what I mean true. if we start getting some suggestions now by the time the camera's finished good point yeah you're right you're right if you do have some suggestions yeah throw us well, we're going to get everything and anything under the sun you know that oh you need to start a post so people could just post on there comment below <laughs> what's next for talking power all right. Um, so yeah, thanks to our sponsors, All Fast Torque Converters, SCM Performance, BG Mechanical, Keys Transmissions, Monster Torque, Overboost, Mac One Air Conditioning, Benzene Detailing, Challenge Batteries, OTR Tires, WA Suspensions, Shift Kits Australia, and and thanks to Matt Price for coming on the show too. Big thank you to Mac, Matt for coming on the show. That was much appreciated. All right. So this. Uh this pretty much wraps up 2017. It does, yeah. This is this will be our last podcast in this format for the year, and then our next in two weeks' time, which is Boxing Day, we will be speaking with all of our sponsors. I've reached out to all of our sponsors. Some of you haven't got back to me, so please, if you want to come on, let me know. I'll do. I'll work around you. We'll talk over at night time during the day, whatever it may be. Just let me know. Nick's lonely. Needs company. <laughs> so, yeah, if you can get back to me, uh, that'd be great. Uh, some of you already have, uh, but, yeah, just need to catch up because we're going to do a sponsor special for Boxing Day and the the two weeks after that will be a best of. Were you doing a Jeff Finnick impersonation? I know, it did sound like that, didn't it? My neighbour talks the me. In the me. Some of you's... Some of you's, mate. Fully some of you's get back to me in the me. Fully sick, mate. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for all your help this year, and thanks for your support of the Talk and Power podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me, Nick. And hopefully, 
hopefully, if I can get you motivated, we'll have a studio, a proper studio next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll be motivated. I am motivated. You're not I'm motivated. Not, I am. What, what, what are you saying that for? <laughs> I'm extremely motivated. So, yes, I'll... <laughs> you get, sound it too, don't I, you? <laughs> I'll, I'll get the studio happening. We've got a light now. We've got a light. We've got a, we got a to board. I've got to turn it on. Yeah, I know. Well, that's, I <laughs> your, wife, your wife always says that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she came in last time and said, she don't forget to don't, turn the light on. Tu- yeah, I forgot to turn it on. Whoops. <laughs> anyway, never mind. All right. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, See everyone. Nick. See you on the street. Talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.